going to dive in and read from Revelations while we are still soaking in the beauty of God's presence. I'm going to read from Revelation 19, 4 to 9. Um, So this is Jesus' big return. There's celebration. Not all sure what's happened in Revelations, but whatever's happened has happened, and now the good stuff is happening. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, great and small. Then they heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. And then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Amen. So we're going to be sitting in this passage today. And let's, I mean, God is already here, but let's just open ourselves. Say, Holy Spirit, won't you awaken every part of our imagination this morning? Won't you deepen the pictures and the experience and the visions and what goes on in our imagination that we may experience something that hasn't quite happened yet? But receive from this what will be happening and receive strength from it for today as we live here in Cape Town in 2023. So speak to us, Holy Spirit. So God has been using this image of the Bride of Christ in my heart quite a lot over the last few weeks. So I thought it really would be good to share it with you. But I really want to encourage you to really stretch your imaginations today. I'm going to be sharing something that's not really that new. (laughs) But I'm hoping that as we gaze upon familiar truths through this lens of the bride of Christ, it'll open up a new way for us to engage. And if I could be so bold, I want to speak to our men folk in the congregation. Because you may hear the word bride and you may think, okay, that's for the ladies. But just as the ladies, we're always having to negotiate this masculine sort of picture of God and find that God can speak to us through it. I want to encourage you to lean in because you're a part of the bride of Christ and God has got something to say to you today as well. So, yes. So there's much in the book of Revelation. I'm not going to try and explain all that. That is confusing. But this picture of the wedding of the lamb and the bride is very clear and quite profound. And it's actually an echo of what we see Jesus and Paul using this image that the church will be, is the bride of Christ. And just to remind ourselves, we know this, but 
let's remind ourselves we are the church. It's not this building or the time that we meet on a Sunday. It's us, the people. We are the church. And in John, he gets this vision, and he sees that at this point in history, when God is making all things right, all things new, there's this profound coming together, finally, of the bride, the church, and Christ coming together in a marriage union. So I thought to help immerse our imaginations in this idea and concept of marriage, and also because I'm a little bit curious, I did ask some of our PBC family to share with me some of their wedding photos, and they are gorgeous, you'll see. And I'm only sorry I didn't get everybody's wedding photo, so please don't be offended if you're not included. So hopefully you're in the wedding spirit. Um, and yeah, just to, uh, just to acknowledge that, you know, it is so precious to see our friends' wedding photos. But we also know that our world is broken and marriages also get broken and there's pain and complexity. We want to we acknowledge that. And yet in the midst of that, there is this deep joy when we see two people choosing to covenant to love each other. So keep that as part of your imagination. And now we're going to explore what John would have understood by marriage and what, um, you know, what people of his time and his culture would have understood by marriage. So we're going to delve in a little bit to um, what happened in the ancient Jewish times around weddings. And they're fascinating. I've been reading up about it, and there's much symbolism. But because of time this morning, I'm just going to give you the highlights. And so there's actually three parts to um, a Jewish wedding. The first part is a time of mutual commitment. So this is when preliminary agreements um, and arrangements are taking place before the legal betrothal. And in those times, marriage was looked upon more as a, an alliance for reasons of survival and practicality. The romance maybe came a bit later. Um, but the consent of the bride-to-be was considered. And interestingly, before the betrothal took place, both the bride and the groom would separately, um, in their own spaces, be immersed in water as a ritual um, which sim symbolized spiritual cleansing. Following this, you would actually have the betrothal. Now, this is when the couple will enter something called a chuppah. I don't know how you say it. It's like a marriage canopy. I'm sure someone can correct me afterwards. I always get the pronunciation wrong. Um, but this, I think there's actually a picture there of that canopy, and it actually symbolizes the new household. And they would stand under this, and part of the rituals that would take place would establish a binding contract. Um, the groom would give the bride something valuable, like a ring or some money, and they would drink from a cup of wine together, which symbolizes joy, and seal this covenant vow. So this was a public ceremony, and this tells everyone that they're now betrothed, and this would last for about a year, this betrothal time. So they were considered married, but they weren't actually married. They didn't live together, and there was no sexual relations yet. And the groom would then go off, and he would go prepare a, a, a place for the bride. So he'd build onto his homestead. And the bride would be focused on her own personal preparations of getting her dress ready. And the bride knew that she should expect the return of the groom in about a year following the betrothal, but she didn't actually know the exact time or day. He could come a bit earlier. And interestingly, it was the father of the groom, he was the one who decided, okay, now's the time. And he would tell the groom, okay, I give you now approval. 
go and fetch your bride. And then the groom would go and he would, it would be like lots of fanfare and chauffeurs, like ramp horns being blown. And he would go and fetch the bride and lead her in the bridal procession back to his home where they would get married. So now you get the third part of um, the, the wedding ceremony, the marriage. And again, they would stand under the marriage canopy and there would be no wine <laughs> and they would finalize their vows and now they're officially married. So it's quite a long process. But what's fascinating for me is the parallels that we see in our connection and journey with Jesus, the church and the Christ. And we can now better understand this whole concept that we hear about, the f- we hear about the now and the not yet. Um, so the, this Jewish, this weird sort of temporary season, you're married but you're not yet married, actually has strong resonance with this, this notion that Jesus has come and has established his kingdom, but his kingdom's not quite here yet. Um, and so we are actually living in this season where we're awaiting Jesus' return when he will fulfill all his promises um, for, uh, for what he did on the cross. It'll, it's not quite complete yet, but it will be complete. Um, it is and it isn't. So amazing resonance there. And few people in Jesus' day, or sorry, just to say, and we as a church, the bride, we are supposed to be getting ourselves ready. This is a season of getting ourselves ready for the bride's bridegroom's return. Now, in Jesus' day, few people could actually afford a wedding dress. In fact, the whole way of making dresses was different. Like, everything was hand-sewn. And often the bride would make her own dress with help from her mom and her sisters and, and friends. And unless she was very, very wealthy, she wouldn't actually have all the cloth to make her own dress. Others would gift it to her. So a friend would give her some, like a auntie. And so the dress itself was, was a communal effort. And Revelation 19, if you remember, it actually gives us quite a lot of information or talks quite a lot about the bride's dress. So I'll just read it again. It says, For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself wedding. His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. So keep in mind that the bride is all of us. And let's just pause there. I want you actually to like turn your heads. I know it's a bit awkward. It's like socially weird. But actually just look around. I want you to see who else is within the bride with us. Our individualistic lens does make it hard for us to grasp that all of us here together are part of the bride. And even more than that, we need to stretch our imaginations to incorporate Jesus' followers throughout the city. Um, think about our friends at Manga Baptist or uh, Bernadette Young Capricorn, all of them in Cape Town, but also in the country and also across the world. We are all in the bride of Christ. And also notice that the bride comes bringing herself and the fine linen, which I will explore next. But let's just, just realize she's not actually carrying anything else other than who she is. And why do we spend all our time chasing after? Because she's not carrying expensive goods or belongings or stuff. And she's not carrying status symbols or um, expensive knowledge or, or, or um, appearance. Or she doesn't have fame or popularity. No weapons of war or power. She's just carrying who she is. Because that's the only thing that'll last. All those other things, they're not part of this story. They've passed away. 
to Revelation 19, it's very interesting. In brackets, it tells us the fine linen that she's wearing is the righteous acts of God's holy people. So we're just going to dig into this metaphor a bit more. You'll see today we're just going to stay in this metaphor. We're just going to go deeper and deeper. Um, And I want to explore this word righteous. And reading up about it, you know, the preacher, Kevin Haugen, was explaining that our Western and our individualistic lens can lead us to understand that righteousness is only for moral purity or personal righteousness, that it's kind of about me being squeaky clean, not being blemished in any way, and nobody can accuse me of anything. Um, And in a way, I could be that and be totally on my own and disconnected from anyone else. However, if we're to understand the word righteous in the context of God's purposes in and through Israel, a better word might be right relatedness. Right relatedness that leads to right action. Because righteousness is actually a relational word. It applies between two people or two things. There's this something in between, this good standing in between. And so when we think about righteousness, it's this right relatedness between me and God, us and God, between myself, between us and each other, the right relatedness between all of us and also all of us as humans and with God's good creation. So as we return to this picture of the bride of Christ and her wedding gown, I think the, the next slide says, if we can move to the next slide, it says that the fine linen, if we just change the word now, fine linen stands for the right related acts of God's holy people. So our relationships matter. Our relationships are what the bride of Christ will be wearing when she is being betrothed or she gets married to Jesus. This is not to say our individual lives don't matter. They do. And it's not to say that our personal decision to follow Jesus isn't crucial. It is. But it's our individual and personal lives as they interact with other people's individual and personal lives. And it's that relationship that defines the quality of the bride's dress. Are our relationships weaving a rich and vibrant fabric for the bride? Now, it is tempting to focus on just getting your own life sorted. I know I feel that. I just don't ask me to sort other people out. I just need to sort myself out. And in fact, sometimes the gospel is even offered to us in that way. You know what it's like. You pray this prayer, then Jesus comes into your heart, and you get to go to heaven. But actually, that's just our individualistic Western perspective. It, it actually robs us from this beautiful picture that as we invite Jesus into our lives and he becomes our Lord, then we get woven into this family of other people who love Jesus. And it's very complex and it's hard for us to grasp, but it isn't surprising because God, we know, in God's essence is communal and relational. God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in a relationship, in a love relationship. And we being God's image bearers, which Bevan referred to last week, we're called to reflect this communalness. We also see in the Old Testament, and this is a summary of how God chooses to work through one family, not just 
bunch of individuals, but a family to bless the families of the whole earth. Again, communalness. And then you get Jesus who comes along and fulfills all the communal covenants that God made with Israel, a community. And this can all be summarized in Jesus' own words in John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The way we love one another is the fabric of the bride's dress. And we can't do this loving on our own. We can't do this right-relatedness on, on our own. We actually need at least one other person <laughs> or more. And so we need, we need to lean into building friendships and walking alongside each other. And gathering on a Sunday like this is good, but actually real connection is going to happen in, in the relationships we build in small groups, in, in our life groups, and in our serving teams. And TBC there's, has lots of opportunities for that, actually. This morning, there's been little teams setting up and doing tea and coffee. There's ways to get knitted in there. There's a care team. There's a prayer team. There's love after marriage team. There's Zozo team. There's children and youth team. There's the supporting our missionaries team, missionaries in the city and afar. Is God inviting you this morning to get more connected, to get more relational? And yet this right relatedness extends beyond our immediate church family, although that is a crucial start. But it extends to our neighbors. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. To those who live in our community and in our city, to our Muslim neighbors, to, to those who live across in, in different economic spheres in our suburb, in our, in our city, different economic suburbs in our city. There you go. And, and again, TBC is offering us um, stepping stones into those spaces to serve. We've got Reading for Hope. Lorato's Hope has amazing um, ministries. There's divorce care. There's grief care. Ways we can love our neighbor more deeply. And are you being stirred this morning to love your neighbor more intensely and more deeply? And remember, this isn't challenging enough. Jesus' view of our of neighbor extends beyond those who just live next door, right? But he actually uses these parables that show us that our neighbors are the people that our culture teaches us to fear. And we're called to be in right relatedness with them, to love them. In fact, Jesus even says we're to love our enemies, those who seek to do us harm. And I like to imagine that, that when we do get that right, the ways in which we love our enemy, the ways in which we actually reach out and love those who we've been taught to fear, those almost become the golden threads that are woven into the bride's dress. Golden because that type of right relatedness is costly. I've also mentioned a couple of times that right relatedness also refers to the relationship between God's people and God's good creation. And that's a whole sermon series just there. So I won't go much deeper, but if that stirs your heart, please come chat to me or to Nick Simpson because God's been doing a lot of stuff in our hearts about that. But I have to acknowledge that all of these, it is costly to ensure that our relationships are healthy and fair and just and life-giving, not just between us here in, our, in this room, but between us and God's people across the city, 
is costly, but it's worth it. Each time we work towards right relatedness, it counts. It's got eternal significance. And it's good to remember that's what we said about the bride bringing only her right relatedness. That's what we bring to Jesus. We only bring those relationships. Everything else is not really worth our time and our effort, but this is. Is God perhaps bringing to your mind a relationship that you know is just afraid a bit, it's a little bit not where it should be? Is there a relationship that you're thinking about now that you know mm, repair is needed, reconciliation is needed? Two final thoughts. Thankfully, Jesus didn't leave the bride to get herself ready on her own. Thankfully. (laughs) In John 16, we read what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, and this is the amplified version, um, so it's got all the descriptions of the helper, the comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, strengthener, standby, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. And we really can lean in and allow Holy Spirit to work in us personally and as a church communally to set us free, to heal us and empower us so we can pursue right relatedness with each other, with God, and with God's good creation. Jesus has also left us with profound teachings. And these are like stepping stones towards right relatedness. And I just want to give a shout out here because Craig's going to be continuing the equip series after Easter. And the equipping will focus on how we can be set free from the pain and imprisonment of past unright relatedness. That's such a, I made up that word. But basically, it's where we've been hurt by others or where we have hurt others, how can we be set free from that so that we can experience personal healing and interpersonal healing? And that's practicing right relatedness there. That's the bride's linen right there. So maybe God's inviting you to to really push into this equip series. And I encourage you to make space in your diaries. It's going to be on Tuesday evenings. And be intentional about, about yeah, giving your time to that. So to close, how are you preparing the dress that the bride of Christ, bride of Christ will be wearing? Are you being called to deepen your relationships here at PBC? Is there a relationship where you need to make repair? Are you being called to build relationship with neighbor, with those you've been taught to fear, with your enemies? Are you being invited to seek restoration for broken relationships and the consequences of that from the unright relatedness of the past or the present? Right. I'm just going to end in prayer. Um, Holy Spirit, will you take these questions and just, you know where each one of us is at. You know where each one of us is is being called into preparing the fabric 
of the bride's dress. And what a joy it is that we get to play this part. What a joy it is that we get to be woven into this glorious work that you're doing that will last for eternity, that will count on the final day when, when only the things that count matter. What a joy that we get to participate in preparing the bride. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to do that deep work in us. And I want to pray a blessing over us as a church community here, over Explore, for the fabric, the weaving together of the threads, that we would become a rich and, and vibrant piece of fabric that will be sewn into the bride's dress, that, that our relationships would be strong, that where there's conflict or misunderstanding, we'd be quick to work it out, that we would we'd be stepping out of just getting on with our own lives and into knitting and sewing together what you're doing here, into the community here. I pray that all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.